Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, I know it's not the result you wanted. The Dolphins fall in Philadelphia. 31-17 to 17 after getting close there and tying it up in the third quarter and having a chance tied up again late in the third quarter. They do not. They drop this one for their second loss of the season. I'm going to take the five big picture takeaways for you guys here. We're going to cover the key moments of the game, and I have a few additional notes I want to make just on the game in general. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins So the game concludes 31-17 Philadelphia, and as we do every single Monday recap podcast, here we go over the statistics from this Dolphins game, and really, I think the biggest one you can look at is 10 penalties for 70 yards compared to 0 for 0, but ultimately, Miami did get outplayed by Philadelphia, 26 first downs just to just 12. Both teams only converted four third downs, Philadelphia 4 of 12, Miami 4 for 11, but the Eagles were 4 for 4 on fourth downs, including a bunch of critical brotherly shove quarterback sneaks. That's just an unstoppable play that they have mastered and, and really perfected that to its you know, to a, a nice craft at this point. They also outgained Miami 355 to 244. The big discrepancy coming on the ground, 99 rush yards to 45, although Miami did really compete well in the run defense aspect of this game. 68 plays to 48 plays, so they ran 20 more times than the Dolphins did in terms of offensive snaps. That includes 34 rush attempts compared to 12 rush attempts. Miami was sacked four times. They got to Hertz three times. They did turn the Eagles over twice compared to their only one turnover they allowed on their side. And as a result of those plays and all the conversions, the Eagles have the ball for almost 37 minutes in this game. Before we get to the kind of game flow, game breakdown that I want to get through quickly here because I have more bigger fish to fry, I think, on the podcast. Let's go ahead and start with Mike McDaniel and the importance of playing in this atmosphere and what you can take away from it. You know, I kind of knew that going into the game uh, that it was going to be that type of atmosphere, and I think that's very important for our team um, being on the younger side uh, to experience. So th- those are critical, and um, you, you have to you have to feel what it's like um, to play such a such a good team on the road, your margin for error is so small, um, and you know it, it, it's a it's an important building block um, along your progression for the season. You know you, you 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 if you're going to lose games, you want it to be um, against a really good team, and you want it to hurt. Um, and you know there's the the collection of coaches and players. Um, in the locker room right now are hurting um, because, you know, they feel like uh, they they left some plays on the field for sure. So, um, you know, l- losses, if approached the right way, if you're not pointing fingers um, and you're looking internally can, can be a good thing too. Uh, and so that's what will be determined to um, make this uh, moving forward. Uh, starting with tomorrow. So the game starts off really before you even kick the game off with some difficult news that both Connor Williams and Xavier Howard would be down for the game. We'll come back to that here in just a moment. But first, let's talk about what actually happened between the lines here because the Eagles get the opening kickoff and I thought the defense did a good job of playing, you know, 
forcing them to really hit high execute or high level execution plays and drive the entire field kind of piece by piece to get themselves down in position. We did see Dallas Goddard get free on that crossing route, which they got a few times, particularly from Goddard running away from Eli Apple for big catch and runs that produced, you know, big time conversions that extended these drives ultimately gave them more plays and more chances and more cracks at the end zone to score points and on and on and on. But Miami bowed up in the red zone and shut down their plays once they got to goal to go situation. That's a big win for this Dolphins defense to get off the field down there. It's been a challenge to do that so far this year against these top level teams, but they come out and get a big red zone stop right away. Thanks to some big Jerome Baker plays and Javon Holland, big hits. And a defensive line that was really doing a good job against the run and and rushing the passer, I thought, all night long. I mean, Philadelphia ran the ball 34 times for 99 yards. That was a big key for us coming into this game. Defense really bowed up and did a good job on that side of the ball, shutting things down until a couple of late drives. We'll get to that here in a second. But Miami gets it back after the field goal and gets one first down, but then they lose the edge in the running game. They were not ready for a snap that comes off early. Isaiah Wynn, as a result, gets stepped on and gets injured and has to exit the game and did not return. Lester Cotton took over for him. So from the first snap of the game, the Dolphins are down there starting left tackle, starting left guard, and starting center. And not to mention, you know, Devon A. Chain, Jalen Waddle will leave the game earlier later as well. All the losses on defense with Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey being out, obviously. So Miami's banged up, and David Long left the game, and Javon Holland left and came back at one point. So they got banged up in this game. Ball goes back to Philly. We get a big takeaway in positive territory. A really good rush lane integrity play that was a key for me all night long in this one. After, again, a couple of David Long plays. Shuts down a run, beats a block to get that TFL rejects a pass in the face of Jalen Hurts. You get a Chubb force fumble. Wilkins jumps on it, recovers it. Again, with great rush lane integrity and good coverage down the field. But Miami can only cash it in for three points after starting at the plus 23-yard line. That's going to hurt in the long run, right? You want to cash those plays into touchdowns. You get a great third and nine throw from Tua to Waddle on that flag route where he put it over the top of the defender and dropped it in the bucket. Plenty of good throws from Tua in this game on third and long situations to the perimeter of the football field, a 30-yard deep route he threw. So really good looking stuff here from the quarterback. We get stuffed in the red zone though. We get a second and goal loss play to Tyreek and then third and a mile and Tua rips the shot for the touchdown to Tyreek. Another one of these great throws we're talking about, but it's a holding call back him up. And then you have to play for the field goal from that point. Philly takes it back and gets a touchdown after a roughing the passer call that would have put Miami at third and 10 from the Philadelphia 35. Instead, it's a first down in the red zone and they get a screen pass, a really well called screen against a blitz that gets Dallas Goddard into the end zone for a touchdown. And through a couple of drives, he had four catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. He was their go-to guy early on. Miami gets it back three and out. Can't get much push on the inside. They run a trap coverage where you have two guys covering two receivers to one side of the field and the outside player jumps his route inside and kind of comes off the vertical route and takes away the short stuff. So good defensive game plan from Sean Desai, good execution from the Philadelphia Eagles defense and Miami just not sharpened on their stuff early. And then Philly comes out and goes down the field and takes a touchdown to make it 17-3. At that point, you're thinking... Are we going to see another game where the one, this one gets away from us? But luckily, Miami responded in a way that was like, no, that's not going to happen in this one. And I think you have to appreciate their medal for that. The Dolphins get a 27-yard touchdown pass from Tua to Tyreek on this drive. Tua goes 6-for-6 six six and puts the Dolphins back within a touchdown of, of the Eagles, or within seven points, I should say, with 39 seconds to go after going 6-for-6 six six with uh, 86 passing yards and a dime of a touchdown and a third and 18 rip to Cedric Wilson. 
who made a great catch and tapped the toes inbounds for 29 yards in a position where you're down by 14. There's like a minute, minute and a half left in the game clock. If you don't get that first down there, then all of a sudden the Eagles have a chance to come back and score again. You might down, might be down three scores going into the break, but they get that first down conversion, a couple more timing throws to Berrios and Hill. Tua gets sacked, sets up third and eight, and then an absolute dime after Tyreek splits double coverage, beats bracket coverage, makes a tough catch over the shoulder, tracking that football for a huge 27-yard touchdown on third and eight. And you're thinking, great, Miami's back in the game. They go get an end of the half drive after Phillips blows through a double team for a sack. Miami gets the ball back and you're thinking they might go score again because we get an explosive play to Tyreek Hill out of the break. Another anticipation throw from Tua. Raheem gets cranking, makes a couple of guys miss in open space. Back-to-back rundown wins. In fact, they were the first rundown wins for Miami of the entire night. They would just get a few more. And that was the one part of the game that was really tilted in the favor of the Eagles. They got some explosive plays to to A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard, but on balance, the wins and losses in terms of requisite yardage to gain on a a given play in terms of success rate and how that's tracked, pretty even both Dolphins pass offense, Dolphins uh, pass defense and run defense. It was the Dolphins run offense that really kind of fell behind the eight ball, and that impacted the game in a big way. More on that in a moment. But the Dolphins get a first down, that gets pulled back on a screen to Tyreek Hill on a Julian Hill holding call that didn't like that one either. Makes it second and 20. And all of a sudden, you miss a wheel route to Savon Ahmed. It looks like maybe it was there. Couldn't quite get a hand back on the football. Then you throw a screen pass and punt the ball away. But just in general, holding calls, some missed blocks, minimal movement inside. Tough to win a football game when you're that shorthanded up front, but Miami did enough to really put themselves in position to at least strike late. It just wasn't quite enough. The Eagles get the ball back, and once again, David Long is all over the field. He runs on the A-gap and just whips the Eagles uh, for a a negative play there. Chubb and Sealer come in and clean it up to get that sack, and then on third and five, you get a great coverage play from Eli Apple after they went after him a lot in this game to get a breakup on A.J. Brown. And it was really the first play of the night, I thought, where the Dolphins' defense forced Hurts into, or he actually threw it to his first read. He had been coming off that first read all night long. First read, first hitch, ball out. Apple drives and breaks it up. Dolphins get the football back and they're running the ball successfully again. You're thinking offensively, they're going to put it together in this half. They're going to go score a bunch of points. You get good blocks outside from Austin Jackson, Kendall Lamb on back-to-back runs, Durham Smythe in there as well. 21-yard run, 13-yard run, and then we get a third and three play where Tua has Tyreek over the middle and he drops a slant pass that he's caught and scored or caught and ran for big yards a million times, drops this one, and then we get a fourth and three where Tua throws a back shoulder ball to Cedric Wilson and his face mask is pulled sideways on the play as the DB runs man coverage past him on the back shoulder. No flag, turn it over. But luckily, ball don't lie. Dolphins get a pick six from Jerome Baker to make it 17-7 where they close down the RPO run. Cater Kohu comes flying in and gets a hand in the face of Jalen Hurts to break the pass up and it deflects right to Jerome Baker who catches it and takes it in for six. But then the Philadelphia's next two drives were long 85, 75-yard drives to score back-to-back touchdowns, critical third downs, and including some fourth down, you know, brotherly shove plays that just continue to move the chains, including twice on the final drive that kind of put the game you know, I guess out of reach. But in between those two touchdown drives, Dolphins threw a pick in the end zone to Darius Slay. 
And by the way, Waddle gets hurt, comes back in the game. Tough dude. We get a false start after a three-yard run, our ninth penalty. So just consistently with lack of run game success, the penalties, Miami consistently behind the chains, and that makes it tough to be consistent as an offense. Then we get a second and 12, another drop from Tyreek, which is just so uncharacteristic. He did have 11 for 88 and a touchdown in this game. Then third and 12, Tua fires a shot to Waddle for a big first down. Again, how tough is that kid? Then we get another back shoulder ball to Cedric Wilson for a completion. We have another snap issue where Tua has to eat the ball and just take a loss. We roll the next snap back to Tua to put him in position for, he gains five yards on a completion, but it's just not a clean operation. And that creates a third and eight. Maybe you could have been third and short. Tua then forces a throw in there. It gets underthrown. It gets picked off, even though Raheem Mostert was interfered with on the play. It was just a little disjointed and not that great. In fact, let's go ahead and play some more sound right here because Mike McDaniel touched on the uh, potential non-call there. But more importantly, there was a few routes in this game. Well, this will be one of the takeaways where there was just multiple guys in the same spot of the field, which is not good spacing offensively, right? Let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on how that happened. And he'll get into the Raheem Mostert play here as well. No, that, that one in particular, um, there's, uh, there was a couple double moves that, um, that are kind of built for, uh, man coverage. So you, uh, it, it kind of disperses that way. Um, where they're kind of close together. It's something that we've been working on for a while. Um, and, you know, those are, those are things you have to learn from in terms of that particular play with, with Tua because, you know, playing quarterback in this league is tough enough, but getting used to um, adjusting, you know, when you don't have protection when, versus when you do um, on that particular play, I thought we did have solid, solid protection there. Um, and so when Tua watches the film, I'm sure he'll be he'll be critical of of himself um, as you know as the leader he is and where he's at in his career. Um, he's he's pretty uh, overly accountable for for throws, and he he kind of let that one fly on his back foot, um, you know. And I was hoping uh, Raheem could step back and make a play on the ball. Um, he uh, he had a uh, an issue doing so um, with apparently um, what what was legal contact down the field. So um, you know the, the, those that that's definitely not why um, we lost the game for sure. That play I thought Tua had a very very good game, um, all things considered, and ma- made a ton of plays uh, um, under some duress. So after that, the Eagles take it back, and you're just thinking with like 12 minutes to play in this game, the Dolphins defense can make one more stand. Maybe the offense goes and scores and goes for two and wins the game 25-24, but it didn't happen. You got a third and five stop with a great play from Cater Kohu. Fourth and one, they sneak it for the first down. You get a gain of six on a third and seven play. Once again, sneak for a first down. You get a third and four. You stop him short a yard, but then we're also offsides. They probably would have pushed it anyway, so it's our 10th penalty. And again, Eagles did not have any penalties in the game. And then they finally beat Miami deep. A couple of explosive plays from A.J. Brown were kind of the difference in terms of their offense having a good day offensively from a yardage standpoint. And they go over the top with Cater Kohu having tight coverage. Thought Deshaun Elliott was a little bit late getting over the top. 
and that was all Brown needed to make a big play. They punch it in. They kind of you know deflated us in that drive, make it 31-17. The Dolphins turn it over on downs, and then the Eagles take a knee on the football. And like I mentioned, I was tracking the success rate offensively and defensively, and like Miami's offense in the passing game, 14-14, 50%. That's actually higher than what Philadelphia's has been this year offensively, so that's a good number. Defensively, I had them with 13 run wins and 12 losses. And then in the past game, 14 to six as well. So pretty close. Just the big discrepancy. Miami four run wins compared to eight run losses of their own. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there. Come back on the other side. We'll hear from more from Mike McDaniel as well as quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, the five takeaways. And I have a few more notes I want to get to as well. That's all next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second segment here of a recap podcast, early hours, Monday morning, cranking this thing out. We'll have the film review for you guys later on this evening. And then our usual week continues with the Patriots next week at Hard Rock Stadium. And we'll turn the page there, but let's go ahead and continue looking at this Dolphins and Eagles Week seven matchup here on Sunday Night Football. And just, I had four notes that we covered on the on the post-game show pretty in-depth. The number one was the operation issue, just to list some of the things out that happened here. Delay of game on the first play is something that just feels like it shouldn't have to happen. Um, you get a hold that wipes out a touchdown pass when you put Lester Cotton into the game, who I thought played pretty well on balance besides, you know, that holding call that wiped the touchdown out. And that was actually a legit call, I thought. thought he hooked the guy around the top there. Then you get a late snap that causes a false start. They called on Austin Jackson, but I think, it was one of those everyone but the center type of calls. You roll a snap back to Tua. You have a timeout on the first play of a drive coming off the kickoff in the late third quarter. And then we talked about the spacing offensively. And a couple of instances we noticed in the game watching it where the blocks didn't match the tracks of the back. And in fact, let's go ahead and play some sound here from Coach McDaniel because he talked about the challenge of not being able to get the running game going. But there was one play in particular where Durham Smythe had the edge and he like sealed it as if to kind of let Raheem cut off his butt inside and, and you know, bang the run. It's, it's bounce, bang, bend, right? Bounce is get wide, bang is go put your shoulder down and run through some tackles and then bend it is to go back the opposite direction. And Raheem bounced it outside this, you know, inside leverage position just doesn't match up. Those two things don't match up. So let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on some of those, you know, I guess mishaps offensively, but in particular how challenging it was to not be able to get the running game going consistently in this ball game. You know, we were um, behind the, the chains more than we're, we're used to. We had some, you know, uh, small, uh, small nuanced details of some plays that, uh, you know, 
hats off to the Philadelphia Eagles because they made us pay every time that we were, uh, you know, our maybe our track was a little too tight or too wide, um, or you know, a, a, an offensive lineman was a hair off. But that's, uh, you know, we we rely on the um, running game to have successful offense. Uh, we got it going a little too late um, in the game. Uh, so, you know, that's something that um, we we take pride in and we'll be sure to get better from uh, moving forward. So operational issues, I thought. Some critical moments that went the Eagles' way, obviously, is a big one as well. And the Dolphins did win some big critical moments. The third and 18 to Cedric Wilson, the Tyreek touchdown third and eight. Those are, you know, four point, three point type of plays right there. The pick six after another really bad call. But aside from that, you know, key third downs, I I suppose more so the fourth downs that the the Eagles got. Jalen Hurts moving to his right, throwing on the run after escaping the pocket when you were so dang close to getting him down to a sack in the pocket. And he makes a big play rolling out to his right that goes for six or I guess puts them at the one yard line. They reviewed it and overturned it. And then they ran the ball in just a couple of plays later. Again, the fourth down conversions, you cannot allow them to have early down success to get into those third and fourth and one situations. You have a bad interception you throw on the potential game tying drive there. You drop a couple of passes with your your top guy, which is just so rare for him to have that happen. So it's like they said back in the Buffalo game, you have to be on your stuff to go beat a team like this on the road. And that popped up big time in this one. And then the injuries, man, like, you enter the game without Xavier Howard and Connor Williams when they were both questionable, potentially to play this game. That's a brutal way to start things off, especially against a team that has A.J. Brown, that has Devontae Smith, that has Jalen Carter and has Fletcher Cox and has Jordan Davis. Those are two key guys at two key spots you are missing. Then you get Isaiah Wynn knocked out on the first series of the game, and now your left tackle, left guard, and center are all guys that you didn't open the season with or intend to at least. You get an injury where, where David Long... And Javon Holland collide midfield. Like, what a night David Long was having, by the way. He was all over the field shooting gaps. I thought he was critical in helping limit this Eagles offense to what they were able to do until he left the game. Once he left the game, those those next two drives occurred. Um, you get Waddle out for a big period of the game as well. Javon Holland missed some plays. We know we have Jalen Ramsey, Nick Needham, Devon Achan, Teron Armstead coming back. And so all of this just tells me. And McDaniel has been so forthright about this throughout his time here about protecting guys from themselves. And, you know, we can touch on this now or later. I guess I'll do it now because I brought it up. But technically speaking, this game was more about perception than it was importance in the standings. And I'm not saying that it wasn't important in the standings. They all are. They're 117th, right? But the five games against the NFC that you play are the five least important games in terms of how they impact you for potential tiebreakers, head-to-head situations, all of that. It's just the least important games in your schedule. Now, that said, there is something to be said about coming up short in these big moments and getting over that hump and trying to play with confidence and the ability to go get these victories and show your best performance in this situation. I totally agree that that is a big part of it. But when you take into context all the things that went against you, and our fourth category here is actually the officiating, the Christian Wilkins roughing the passer that was week I'll, I'll say at best David Long getting held on a, a play where he shot a gap and it goes out for a 20-yard run where it probably, probably should have been a 10-yard you know loss for the offense the Julian Hill holding call on the edge I'm not sure I agree with that one the non-defensive pass interference call on Cedric Wilson was the worst one I thought of the night the non-DPI on Raheem Moster on a big pick all of a sudden if it's first and goal at the one-yard line in the fourth quarter and you can punch it in it's 24-24 does the game script does the difference there 
does it become out different? I don't know. I tend to think it possibly could. But the whole point is you were, you know, in positions to make plays to go in this game, despite the fact that you were down several critical key components of your team and battling in a game where the officiating was not going your way. You weren't getting the big plays and the big moments at the big times. Like you were, all this was going against you and you still had a chance to win it late, but you did not. So thinking about getting those guys back for, you know, the Patriots next week, hopefully some of those guys eligible for the Chiefs in terms of returning back off of IR and guys that have been active in the 21 day window. I think the idea is if you can go out and get these next two games before the bye, all of a sudden nothing else matters because you'd be seven and two and you'd be rolling into the bye week with potentially the top spot in the AFC. At worst, you'd be tied for the top spot with a head-to-head advantage over Kansas City and you'd have your week off to get healthier and a bunch of games against teams that have not fared so well this year coming up on the schedule after that ahead of the final three. So that's like long-term vision thinking, but I think that's where you kind of go here in terms of all the players you were down due to injury and the thought of not playing those guys in these in this game when, you know, let's say, you know, Seth made a great point in the post-game show. If you win this game with Connor Williams at center and you come out of the game and Connor has an aggravated groin injury and misses the next, you know, six to eight games, it's probably not going to feel as much of a win because he's such a key part to your offense. So getting guys right, getting guys back, I can see how that's the most important thing and you had so much going against you and yet you still competed to the very end. So it's frustrating because you're going to hear it all week on the sports talk shows. You're going to see it on Twitter about how Miami has not yet beat a winning team and that's, you know, deserved. They have to find a way to to earn that right to not be part of those conversations. But let's just keep the forest for the trees, right? Because this game, albeit hurts right now, they're going to be just fine. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back into the five big picture takeaways. That's next drive time podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield brought to you by auto nation. What's up? I'm John wall. And I'm CJ Toledano. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called point game. We're now joined by three time NBA six man of the year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have no play before the play in this game tonight, but I do have five takeaways, and it's that Miami finally met a match in the running game as takeaway number one. Just couldn't get movement on those interior guys. The Dolphins still lead the NFL in rushing yards per game at 162 per game, but you just look at the way they couldn't get movement and push on the interior, couldn't win the edges like we're used to seeing them hit really throughout the course of the entire season. Uh, I thought backs maybe potentially missed a couple of tracks and opportunities to find space when there was space there. Just wasn't really a you know, well-oiled machine, if you can, in terms of how they looked offensively. The banged-up offensive line, we had a holding penalty pull points off the board, but you're in these long down-and-distance situations because you couldn't run the ball successfully. You do get some success early in the third quarter, and you push the ball into the red zone, and that was great to see, but ultimately... 
failure to run the ball in early downs and putting yourself behind the chains was what I think did you in. It put you in too many situations where you had to force the ball, and then ultimately Tua forces the ball in the big spot there for the pick in that fourth quarter. So let's go ahead and actually hear from Tua on why taking away the running game is so critical to how this offense operates and what happened in this game in terms of the rushing game against the Eagles' run defense. Yeah, well, there, there's there's a lot of pieces that, that go into our offense, um, a lot of moving moving parts, um, I have to be able to communicate to the O-line, uh, you know, the, the cadence um, in a loud environment, which makes it tough. You know, all, all, all of those things play, play, um, you know, play a role in, in us going out there and executing, especially with a loud environment, tough environment. Um, but it's, it's communicating and being able to go out and, and executing. You know, it's, it's hard to, to sort of replicate crowd noise the way it is over here and and in other places but uh you know that that's what that's the next step for us and and what we're trying to do some of these takeaways have been sprinkled throughout the show already so we'll go ahead and keep it brief and get you guys out of here and on to the all 22 podcast tonight but number two takeaways just not that sharp in this spot again right a big road game tough environment all of that and just not quite good enough. I think it's fair to be concerned about some of the operational stuff in terms of delay of games, taking timeouts because you couldn't get a play call in in a tough environment. And they there was some adjustments to that late in the game, but I think that it's worth noting that it kind of changes the way Miami's offense has to operate when you have those situations. Again, the injuries killed you as well, and that certainly played a part in how this game played out. A few instances of bad spacing in the routes where they had multiple guys in the area, some snap issues, one false start, one rolled ball back to Tua, and again, called that timeout on the first play of the drive. Just some things that you can really point to that were issues, I think, a year ago, and they got cleaned up over the course of the offseason, and that's, I think, been the biggest part of this offense taking a big jump to the next level. Can they find a way to, to improve upon those and use these experiences to improve for next time around because in just two weeks, you have another one of these big-time opponents in the stadium that's going to be super loud over in Frankfurt, Germany. So you have to get it corrected quickly. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on what they learned in this game. Well, we learned that the the little things matter, and they turn into big things as they continue to build up. Um, you know, and, and this is a this is a good, good test early in the season. Um, you know, people can say that, the penalties, this, the penalties, that, like, for for us as as a team, we're we're not throwing that out as a, as as an excuse. You know, they they went out there, they did what they had to do to to win that game, and uh, we didn't do enough to win that game. So, it is what it was, and uh, you know, we'll we'll go in tomorrow and we'll learn from that, and we'll we'll uh, get ready for New England. Takeaway number three is the defense played really really well until two until two late drives kind of changed the narrative on that. But I don't think that that should be the case because Miami's defense bowed up in this one. Like I mentioned, less than 100 yards for the Eagles on the ground on 34 rushing attempts. That's really, really dang good. They really kept Jalen Hurts a scrambling in check. DeAndre Swift did not get much going in this game. I thought the two linebackers, David Long Jr. and Jerome Baker, played their two best games, maybe as Dolphins. Baker was awesome. Long certainly was because he has been here for just one year. But really good games from those guys. I thought Phillips and Chubbs did a great job of playing their 
playing the run on the way to the quarterback and creating positive pass rush while also holding the edge against the Eagles running game. Javon Holland was laying big hits back on the perimeter. Uh, Cater Coe, who had a bunch of big, you know, coverage plays and he got beat one time there, but it's a tough matchup against AJ Brown. It's going to happen every once in a while, but I thought he competed, played the screen game, deflected the pass that got picked off. thought Andrew Van Ginkle played very solid. Zach Sealer as well up there. Uh, just a bunch of really pivotal efforts from this Dolphins defense, but the key third downs for them, the difference that hurts scramble where they got some outside off of a, you know, I think Phillips was the guy that jumped inside and lost contain and Hertz gets wide and throws a ball down the field for a, a big play that puts them down at the one yard line. They convert that critical fourth and three, just some, some things that, you know, went against Miami defensively, I think ultimately overshadowed what was otherwise a pretty good performance. You get that pick six, which is massive, but then two touchdown drives after that, where you just couldn't get stops, deflating drives. That happened a few times last year, and this is a tough offense, so I, I expect Miami to be able to bounce back against you know the next one, but just kind of tough where that game ended for the defense that played so well through the first really three quarters plus. Number four takeaways that Tua and Tyreek continue to really kind of dazzle like Tua, man, there were some big-time throws from that guy in this game. That drive before the end of the half, 6-for-6, six six, 86 yards, a 3rd-and-18 conversion, a 3rd-and-8 conversion for a touchdown to Tyreek for you know 27 yards and, and 6 points there. That good 3rd-down throw on the drive, the field goal drive earlier to Jalen Waddell was a big-time throw. These guys, I think, are going to compete at a high level all year long. They look sharp. They look dialed in. Tua's worst game of the year by passer rating standards is just 87.9 in this game. So his stats were there, pushed the ball on the field, converted some big-time plays, but ultimately only scored 10 points. So it has to be better than that offensively to get wins in these games. And then Tyreek Hill splitting the double team on that touchdown play with that nasty release, then tracking the ball above and then below the eye line. That is special, special stuff. And you get the pick, you get the two drops, but otherwise, these two guys are as good as it gets, and we should just continue to be thankful we have them on the football team. My fifth takeaway is just the injury situation. Like, is it going to, you know, get better? I hope it does. We mentioned it earlier, but that's the big takeaway here is Miami just needs to get healthy, get right, get back on their stuff, and I think they'll be just fine. One last note here before we go is that the Dolphins are still on top of the AFC East with a five and two mark over the four and three Bills and the three and three Jets and now two and five Patriots. And I wanted to just end with this because the Bills now have two divisional losses and have not played their road game in Miami yet. So if we beat them in our house, this is the final game of the year, way down the road, too far out in front, I would say actually uh, down the road. But if Miami hypothetically wins that game against Buffalo, then all the Dolphins would have to do is just get two out of three against the Patriots next week and the two games against the Jets to secure a tiebreaker against the Buffalo Bills, which that's a that's a full game advantage, right? It's a convoluted way of saying if the Dolphins take care of business in the division and they tie Buffalo atop the division, they would get the nod as AFC East champs. That's a mile away down the road, but I think as we approach the midpoint of the season, it's worth tracking. And, you know, we're banged up, so is Buffalo as well. So a long season to go here, guys. Not the result you wanted, but I think the Dolphins are still in a good spot. That's my ultimate takeaway. That's the podcast. We'll watch the tape tomorrow and give you the assessment on that time. Excited to do that and see where it actually went wrong in some key spots where, you know, just watching the broadcast doesn't always give you that opportunity. But that's my time on the podcast tonight. You all, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Follow me on social at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out my guy Seth and Juice on the Fish Tank podcast as well as the post game show that we just recorded a couple 
about an hour ago at this point now. We'll post that link for you guys as well. The YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home.